In this condensed episode of the Goal Line Fade, Adam and I discuss the last week of football and, and look forward to the next week as well. Welcome to the Goal Line Fade podcast. This was a, a really confusing week in the NFL, I found. I'm not sure if you feel the same way, Daniel, but I have to say that seeing certain teams that we thought were top tier in the NFL get um, not necessarily beat down, but just not play at all um, well enough to compete in their respective games was quite interesting this week. We saw the Buffalo Bills lose to the Kansas City Chiefs, where they got you know, dominated when you look at the stats and realize how many yards the Chiefs had in relationship to the Bills. Um, or in relation to the Bills. We saw the Browns get absolutely decimated by the Steelers. And then we see, saw the Bucks absolutely destroy the Packers. It was just, it was a weird week where, you know, the teams that we thought were top tier and would make um, their conferences and their divisions competitive were not at all um, what we thought they were. Yeah, I, I don't really know how to feel about it all. Like, is the disparity in talent this year or the disparative like i expected to see i mean there were a few games like this you know i i expected to see the the pittsburgh cleveland game be a close one i was expecting to see the bucks packers game uh maybe not even necessarily be close but in that one those big ones that that stuck out but yeah, I think seeing the Bills get get pretty well beat up by Kansas City was kind of a shock. Uh, Josh Allen looked like the Josh Allen that I keep saying he's going to be eventually. And Clyde Edwards, I think, in in a bit of a middle finger at in football team for picking up Le'Veon Bell, absolutely went off as well, showing that Kansas City um, has no shortage of weapons. And I mean, Le'Veon Bell will just be another one added to that arsenal. Yeah, for sure. It's. Uh... It was definitely an interesting week for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire to have the game that he did with, yeah, with the Bell signing. But um, overall, looking at the stat sheet for this game, it was um, it, it was quite clear the Chiefs' offense, you know, got the yards that they needed to, and especially on the ground. That's not something that we've seen from the Chiefs in the past in the Patrick <laughs> Mahomes era, being as dominant Ten on the carries ground. Carries for Patrick Mahomes, insane. <laughs> well, and, I mean. It, out of those two quarterbacks, I would expect Josh Allen to have more carries than Patrick Mahomes. So the fact that, I mean, it was a, a wet game and, you know, not a not necessarily the best weather there. You could tell that, I mean, guys were dropping passes and just things didn't look as crisp in the, the passing game, right? But you could tell that the Chiefs had the ability to be flexible to go to their running game. The Bills, I mean, they just didn't do anything on offense. Their, their rush offense wasn't great. Their pass offense wasn't great. Um, it just wasn't a great day for the Buffalo Bills. And that's two weeks in a row where against top-tier AFC talent, they haven't been able to um, to compete well enough to to win those games. And so, um, I mean, it's an, it's an interesting team to talk about, right? They're leading in the AFC East, and sure, the Dolphins are only a game behind them right now, I believe. But um, is this a team that we're all confident in can still win the AFC East? I'm not 100% sure. But I think... One team that we know is definitely not going to compete or win their division is the Cleveland Browns. I have to say that that was just an absolute beatdown. I think it's pretty safe to say now that the AFC North will run through either Pittsburgh or Baltimore at this point. And the way things are looking, like it wouldn't surprise me if it was Pittsburgh. No, like I'm I'm 100% in on that. I do think it's Pittsburgh. Um, Baltimore really only snuck out with a win against the Eagles. 
and I, and I feel like this is almost blasphemy to say, but uh, Lamar Jackson hasn't been very good this year. Uh, his stats are, are underwhelming at best, whereas we're just seeing the Steelers pull weapons out of everywhere, right? If, if it's not Chase Claypool, it's James Washington playing well. If not James Washington, Deontay Johnson. Um, James Conner had one of his best games of the season. Juju Smith-Schuster is still himself, right? He's just got to get back from this injury and, and really be playing it at top strength. But um, this, is a, this is a really good football team. And, and Ben Roethlisberger's stats weren't incredible this week, but they didn't need to be. Uh, this defense is exceptional. I think they, in every game now, have at least three sacks and at least one interception or at least one forced turnover, which is crazy. Um, I, I think they're going to they're gonna take that division easy. I, I think, what, I mean, a, a matchup between them and Baltimore will be a big one in, in seeing how this plays out, but I think this division belongs to Pittsburgh. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you mentioned it, right, that their offense has been really good and that there have been weapons that have popped up each week, it seems like. But the reality of it is this Steelers team is um, – is very dominant on the defensive side of the ball. And while their offense may be getting the attention because Chase Claypool had four touchdowns a couple weeks ago, the reality of it is this defense is going to be a reason why they can take on the Chiefs. And we'll see this week against the Titans what they look like, right? But they're playing really well stopping the run. They're playing really well stopping the pass. And as far as I'm concerned, this defense is, um, you know, strong enough to carry this team without having a a dominant offense. So the, the better their offense gets, the better this team will get. And so it's definitely an interesting team to watch, just considering the transit or the not transition, but the transformation from last year without Big Ben to this year with Big Ben and uh, a couple additional weapons there. Um, yeah, it's been a, a completely different story this year. And so um, talking about completely different stories too, that's what it was looking like this year for the Packers, right? They were, what, 4-0 and and had just dominated. They put up 38 points per game over the course of the first four weeks of the season. They're playing lights out. Aaron Rodgers was playing at the level where you could tell his cockiness was back. And we were thinking, okay, maybe this Packers team is is great and they're they're one of the best in the NFC. And then they got destroyed by the Bucs. And not by Tom Brady having a lights out game, but by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense showing that they're actually one of the best in the league. Quite an interesting and a game, running game by say. Tampa. Yeah, no kidding. Ronald Jones is like, what, fifth in the league in rushing now? That's ridiculous. Who would have thought coming into this season? When they go out and they get Leonard Fournette and they get LaShawn McCoy, right? Who would have thought that Ronald Jones would be the guy that's dominating back there? And I mean, right, he was a second-round pick, and, and he was such a disappointment in his first couple of seasons. So it makes sense that maybe he finally gets there with with Tom Brady to to be the guy throwing the football to keep defenses distracted. But Gronk also had a bit of a throwback game, five for 78 and a touchdown. Um, surprising to see, but, but also, yeah, all of a sudden uh, now to the Bucks, it feels like every week we're, we're just trying to change our minds on whether or not they're a legitimate threat, because now after handling the Packers, I feel like you can't count them out for the NFC all of a sudden. Yeah, I would agree. It's their defense. It seems to be the biggest reason why they've been winning the games that they have. Right. Maybe not in all their games, I mean, but it be, seems like, you know. I'd be curious to see when was the last time that Aaron Rodgers threw two picks in a game. He, like... And, he like, in three attempts, too. Two in a game is nuts. Yeah. Well, and, I mean, one for a pick six, and then, like, two or three attempts later, he did the exact same thing, right? So, yeah. um, the Buccaneers found a way to 
to get to Aaron Rodgers, which is not an easy feat by any means. So um, it's interesting. And that's a division two where I think the Buccaneers could run away with it relatively easily, right? Um, just seeing the competition that's in that division and where they're standing right now. So um, I'm most intrigued by that game for the reason that I think the Buccaneers defense will be the reason that that Buccaneers team gets carried as far as they do. So it's definitely one to watch, but um, it was an exciting week last week. And I, I use the word confusing quite often. So I would label confusing um, as the word to describe last week. But uh, what do you think? There's one other big story, one other big story that, that we would be absolutely remiss to not mention. Uh, it's two a time. Fitzpatrick has officially been benched, even though he was playing some of the best football of his career. And Tua Tungavailoa is about to be an NFL starting quarterback. Yeah, this one's a bit disappointing to me. Um, in the sense that, like, Ryan Fitzpatrick was playing as well as he was, and the Dolphins were, I mean, actually a fun team to watch over the past couple of weeks. They have a really strong offense, as you've called out in the past couple of weeks, talking about guys like Miles Gaskin, Devontae Parker. Um, Preston Williams, Mike Gusecki, right? Like they've got so much talent there. And I think that um, it's a really weird situation to remove your starting quarterback when there's no reason to remove them. It's not like Fitzpatrick is hurt. It's not like he's playing poorly. They're winning games. So, I mean, we saw it earlier in the year for the Bears when they benched Trubisky, but that's because of the fact that he was playing you know, terrible. So this is just one of the weirdest quarterback benchings or whatever you want to call it that I've seen in a long, long time. I would definitely say that it's scripted. Like they probably before the season said, "Yeah, by it's it's two is time." Um, so I think yeah, at some point you gotta you gotta turn the keys over to the kids. So I get the decision, but yeah, for Ryan Fitzpatrick, I mean, if you read some of his comments from the last couple of days, it's heartbreaking. You can just tell that um, he's being very honest about his disappointment, feeling like this really was his team, and then just to be benched like that. But I think. It seems like Brian Flores knew from before the season that the bye week was the time they were handing the keys over. And, and I mean, I guess it makes sense, but it's just what kind of shot is that to the team now? You know, like they, they were confident that, you know, Fitzpatrick was their guy. He was clicking with that team. And it's it just, I get that in a bye week you have, you know, more practices and things like that. But I don't know. I just, I don't like it. And this year, especially, I don't like it. Give two of the year to, to grow. And I mean, they are fighting for the division. So why do you put in a rookie quarterback when he's not your number? Anyways, that's uh that's a decision I can't quite get behind, but I support Brian Flores. So I'm sure he knows what he's doing and yeah, it'll be interesting to see if that Dolphins team can continue their, um, their success over the last couple of weeks with Tua. Yeah. Tua under center. So then with some of the, the week uh, six stories out of the way, looking at week seven, um, We've got a really fun slate of games, and I think probably the highlight of all of them is, is two 5-0 AFC juggernauts going head-to-head, Pittsburgh and Tennessee. I think two teams that we expected to be good, but no one expected to be this good. You have the, the surprisingly efficient Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry, who has kind of recovered from a slow start to the season. Shocker, that's what he always does against a Steelers offense that is showing a lot of promise, but it, like we said, a defense that's absolutely dominant. Um, it's going to be a heck of a game. I'm so excited to see what happens here. Uh, yeah, I don't even know, Adam. Like, when you look at this game, what do you think are going to be the big storylines coming out of it? Honestly, I think that the Steelers have a very good chance to actually stop the Titans' offense completely. And so it would not surprise me if this was a 10 to 13 point game. 
if not more. And the reason I say that is the Steelers defense is dominant. And I, I will not shy away from the fact that I think they're probably one of the best in the league, if not the best in the league. And so I think that they have the second best run defense in the league, allowing only 3.3 yards per carry, which is quite impressive. And so if they can keep Derrick Henry held back to that degree, you have to wonder, you know, you're forcing Ryan Tannehill to throw the ball that many more times to try and make up the gap in the game if the Steelers offense can be efficient and score. So you just wonder how good um, how good a chances or how many chances does that Steelers defense have to actually force turnovers, which is something they've done very well this year that you mentioned, you know? So to me, the storyline is essentially how good can that Steelers defense be? How dominant can they be um, in order to, yeah, make this not even a close game? So then I'm, I'm with you. I think the Steelers um, are the better of the two teams. I my question for you is if the Steelers win this, uh, does the AFC run through Pittsburgh? Does Pitt the Super Bowl favorite for the AFC? Well, that's a tough one, right? Everyone wants to say that the Chiefs are still that team. And I would say that the Chiefs are still that team as well. Until I see the Steelers beat them, I'm not willing to say that they're better than the Chiefs. But um, yeah, it, it wouldn't surprise me to see them start to grow in that conversation, to see them start growing in power rankings and ultimately for them to be, you know, the number one seed in the AFC by the end of the year. But at the same time, I'll say I'm not willing to crown them until they either beat the Chiefs or until they, uh, you know, until they keep that strength throughout the remainder of the regular season. I don't know. I'm, I'm just not 100% sold. You know, we see teams that dominate in the early season and that, you know, completely flounder when it comes to the later part of the season. So I, uh, I'm not ready to go there yet, but what about you? Um, I, I'm starting to be tempted in that direction. I'm not going to lie. The chiefs have been very good, but they have not been the, the dominant force that, that they had looked like over the first few weeks. And so I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Pittsburgh ended up actually being the first seed coming out of the AFC. And I, I think next week's game against Baltimore for them will be a really big piece in determining that. But um, no, I, I really like where the Steelers are headed. What about this Buccaneers-Raiders game? The Bucks obviously are now riding high off of beating the Packers. The Raiders are just one week removed from managing to beat the Chiefs. Um, and it's at a point where the Raiders definitely need to be they're really wanting to make a shot at the wild card. But uh, the Bucs are, are they're very up and down. But, you know, it looks like they're a team that if they catch momentum, they're going to be really hard to stop. Definitely. This is going to be, um, I think, an interesting one because what we just talked about being their strengths in this past game against the Packers, I think will be something to watch in this game as the difference maker. You know, if the Buccaneers defense can play as dominantly as they have been, I don't think Derek Carr can keep up playing as well as he has um, over the course of this season. Also, the Bucks defense is great against the run. I think they're the best against the run in the NFL. And so, like if Josh Jacobs isn't there to support Derek Carr and Derek Carr is forced to throw the ball that many times against a, a Bucks defense, I'm quite convinced that this will be the game where we start to see Derek Carr take his, um, you know, downward trend that we see almost every year since he suffered that big injury. You know, to me that that feels like what Carr is going has, to happen this week. And Ronald Jones is going to run Carr away has in this game. Low key been so 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 good. Um, Besides some some very real fumbling problems, five over the the first five games here, um, his passing stats have been pretty exceptional. And I, he's done that very quietly because other QBs have been performing at a higher level. But um, 
we got to acknowledge maybe he has finally kind of hit his stride with Vegas again after some very mediocre years. I'm not ready to say that yet. And Josh Jacobs has had a disappointing second year here, but no, I'm, I'm thinking this will be a, it's a good night game, right? Like a, a Sunday night game between these two teams. Um, I have a hard time betting against the Bucks right now just because of that win against Green Bay. But again, they've been so up and down that it honestly wouldn't surprise me either if Las Vegas came back and beat them 38-10 this week. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it would be interesting. I think that one of the big differences that the, the Raiders have about them that might make this a disadvantage for the Buccaneers is the fact that the Raiders' offense is so fast. Right? We talk about guys like Henry Ruggs. We talk about Hunter Renfro, um, Nelson Aguilar, all guys that are putting up I think that the three of them combined have five touchdowns on the season or something along those lines, which is almost 50% of Derek Carr's passing touchdowns. So um, as far as I'm concerned, the Raiders don't have what it takes to beat the Buccaneers right now. And I think that we'll see that this week, but um, you never know, right? If, if Again, if Derek Carr can play to that level and performs well against that Bear, or Buccaneers defense, um, yeah, this is a game that would not surprise me to see go the, the Raiders way whatsoever. And finally, another one that, man, if, if seven weeks ago you had told me that this was going to be one of the premier matchups of, of week seven, I would have laughed in your face. Uh, the five and one Chicago Bears and the four and two Los Angeles Rams meeting on Monday night. The Bears are actually five and one. Like this is not. Uh, I'm top for the NFC North. I'm I'm scared. Um, I don't understand. But it's true, and I think at this point, we really have to start looking at them as a, a very real contender. Um, I think I would continue to say that to this point, their competition has not been overwhelmingly difficult, but, but still, you just can't ignore 5-1. and one. Yeah, exactly. 5-1 and one and leading the NFC North, which is not something I thought I'd be saying attached to the Bears' name at all going into this season, but here we are. Um, what this game is going to be a great display of is uh, these strong passing defenses on both sides. The Rams have one of the best passing defenses in the league. The Bears also have one of the best passing defenses in the league. And so um, two quarterbacks that we, I mean, sometimes they play great, but most of the time they play at that mediocre level, right? Like Nick Foles, not exactly the flashy guy until you get into the playoffs or when he's the backup and he comes into a game as a reliever and next thing you know, he's playing at uh, the best level of any quarterback, you know, but Jared Goff, I mean, we've talked about that in the past. He's playing efficient this year, but ultimately when you're playing a strong passing defense like this, it's going to come down to, I think, which quarterback is going to have the better game. Ultimately, I think Chicago's defense is better um, at being opportunistic. And so it would not surprise me to see the bears actually walk away with a win uh, in LA this weekend. I think if, if that happens, then I think the Bears have very much, I think have that, that's a statement win against a good football team that they really need to have at this point. Um, the Rams too, I mean, it was disappointing to see them lose to the 49ers. And again, a, a very hobbled 49ers team. I think that that helped us to maybe start to see that the LA Rams um, maybe are not as good as they, they may have been starting to look, right? Their defense is exceptional. That's what this matchup is. It's a matchup of, of two very, very, very good defenses. Um, and so I think that means generally, I mean, depends who you talk to. A lot of people think that makes for a boring football game. Um, I'm still probably going to watch it. I think it's going to be it's going to be fun to see what happens when, uh, like you said, two 
generally mediocre, sometimes flashy quarterbacks, someone has to make a play, right? One of them has to step yeah. up if they're going to win this game. And so it's going to be the matter of, of who's going to do it, right? Is, is Sean McVay going to put Jared Goff in position to succeed or is Foles going to bring out his magic and um, really catapult Chicago into the conversation of one of the better teams in the NFC right now? And um, that'll, that'll be determined, I think, on Monday night. Yeah, I agree. The one last comment I want to make on this game, though, is that the Rams actually have, I believe it's they have the seventh most rushing yards out of any team in the NFL this year. And so when we talk about the passing defenses, and while I ultimately think that that'll be the main um, deciding factor between these two teams on uh, on Monday, right? Um, I think that the running game for the Rams is something that we should watch as well. No, it's not Todd Gurley in that backfield, but they have been, you know, good at running the ball. Like, I don't know how else to put it. They've been effective at running the ball with Henderson, with Brown, with whoever they put in that backfield. And so I think that it'll be interesting to see if the Rams try to mitigate Jared Goff having to play at his best by running the ball effectively against the Bears as well. So um, we'll definitely be interesting to see the tactic from that side. But um, yeah, lots of exciting football to watch this weekend, right? That's only three games, but there's quite a few good ones on the docket for sure. So then... You know, going into this week, we have real football games. And of course, we have fantasy football as well. Um, Two players each. And I think this was probably one of the hardest weeks I had picking fantasy starts. I'm curious who you came up with and and uh, and then I'll give you my two. For sure, I'll I'll go with both my my two quickly here. So I'm going to go with DeAndre Swift against Atlanta. Um, Had an absolutely amazing game against the, the Jaguars this past week. I think it was 14 carries, 116 yards with, I want to say two touchdowns. Is that right? And then he ended up having a couple catches or as well, or three catches. And so I think that uh, Detroit hasn't had a great running back in a long time, and they haven't had a running back that they could go to consistently in a long time. We've seen Adrian Peterson a bit this year, carry on Johnson in the past, but I think DeAndre Swift has that ability to be a dominant running back that you see in your fantasy lineup quite consistently. So um, I'm predicting that this will be the week that we see that that trend continue and that he'll, uh, you know, he'll continue to get more and more carries and be more and more dominant. So I'm really excited to see what he can do against Atlanta um, this week. And then my second start of the week is actually going to be the Steelers defense against Tennessee. And I don't need to talk too much about why I chose that after we talked about that game. But I think that if you're wanting to hold back, starting them against a five and O football team that has a good running game and an efficient quarterback, I'd argue that their opportunistic defense and, the ability that they have to to turn the ball over or force turnovers and score on those turnovers makes them still a good play this weekend. But um, I'm not sure who you went with, Daniel, this week, so I'm actually quite intrigued to hear if you followed uh, yeah, a running back and a defense-type method or what you went with. Yeah, so I, I took what, honestly, I feel like are relatively obvious picks. Um, I, I feel like I'm copping out a bit with both of them. My first one being a guy who used to be an every week, no questions asked starter, and that's A.J. Green. Um, obviously, we all know about his injury concerns over the last few years. He's been hobbled. He's been slow. But finally, when when hitting the field with Joe Burrow in good health, um, no injury concerns, A.J. Green had a really good PPR game. Eight catches, 96 yards. I mean, that's a solid game. You had a touchdown in there, and that's that's a really, really solid game on, on any fantasy rule set. And I think... Um, as long as he can stay healthy, as long as his ankle, I think his ankles have always been his issue. As long as that can, or hamster, whatever it was. Um, I, I think he's a good start. I think this game against Cleveland uh, is kind of just a game that Cincinnati can 
and be like, hey, we don't suck uh, that much and, and maybe not beat Cleveland, but be competitive. I think AJ Green will be a big part of that. And then the more obvious of the two, I think, is Boston Scott. With Miles Sanders down, Boston Scott is just a worse Miles Sanders. And um, as Mike Davis has proven in Carolina, usually when you have a team that relies on one running back, if the starter goes down, the backup's usually a pretty good option. Um, right. Like a guy like Chase Edmonds, if Kenyon Drake goes down, Chase Edmonds is an incredible option. I think it's the same thing you're looking at in Philadelphia. So uh, the Giants suck and Boston Scott is not a bad player. So I think he's a good start this week as well. Yeah, that's an interesting one. I think I picked up Boston Scott for week one when Miles Sanders was out week one, I believe, and he, he didn't quite come through. So I'm hoping it's different, especially on Thursday night. It would be nice to see some strong fantasy performances on on Thursday night, um, and both defenses are not exactly playing great. So maybe we will see that. Um, having said that, though, if you had to pick a player for this week that you think is going to have you know, a top-tier week and is going to be receiving a lot of recognition for their play this week, um, whether from a fantasy perspective or just overall, Daniel, who would you go with this week? This is a huge fingers-crossed moment. This is kind of my last ditch. Um, if he doesn't do it now, I'm, I'm kind of throwing in the towel on him. I think Kyler Murray, it, it has to be. It, it, it honestly is just that I think it is a matter of necessity that, that he shows up this week because his rushing stats have been good, but his passing stats have been embarrassing for a player who looked like he was about to take this big leap forward. And um, yes, I know, Adam, you've defended Seattle's passing defense, but even with that additional, the, you know, the additional caveats on just the amount of passing against them, they still are not a great passing defense. They're not a top 10 passing defense. And Kyler has to step up because Arizona's sitting at four and two, right? They're not out of this playoff race. I honestly don't know how they're doing as well as they are with his stats, the way that they've been. A win in Seattle, all of a sudden this team looks like they could win the division. That's how close this division really is right now with them in Seattle at a four and two and a five and O team. I think it has to be Kyler. And if it's not, if he plays poorly, I, I think we just got to, we might just kind of have to start giving up on this kid. Oh, and that's tough. He's a, a first overall pick last year. And so um, they've already given up on a first round pick in Josh Rosen. And, you know, so Arizona's just not doing well with quarterbacks in the first round over the past couple of years. So for their sake and for their fans sake, I hope that he can show a, a good performance, but I agree that that is, um, a really important game for him to stand out, especially because the Seahawks don't exactly have the best passing defense in the league. Um, I also went with a quarterback as far as who I think is going to be the top tier player or, or going to be someone receiving a lot of recognition after this week. But I went with Aaron Rodgers, who's playing the Houston Texans. Um, the Texans have, I think they're tied for giving up the, the fourth, fourth most touchdowns uh, in the league. They've given up 13 touchdowns through the air anyways. And so they've only forced one interception through the air um so i think that aaron Rodgers is going to have a bounce back game you know it, it's pretty embarrassing to have that kind of game against a, a good tampa bay defense i feel like aaron Rodgers got humbled a little bit this past weekend and he's going to come back fired up Devonte adams is going to be back in that offense for a second week which is quite helpful i imagine so i'm predicting that he'll have an outstanding week against the houston defense that we've seen is by no means strong <laughs> So what about your struggle, Adam? Of course, with the player of the week, we also have to take a look at those guys who maybe are not going to show up for as strong of performances. Yeah, you know what? This one is a bit more of a trying to take a risk and hoping I'm right. Um, 
I think that Jimmy G is going to have a struggle against the New England Patriots this weekend. And I say that not because of his stats, not because of his, you know, his status from an injury perspective, but I honestly think that the Patriots know Jimmy G well enough. I think that, you know, Bill Belichick knows Jimmy G, knows um, how to handle him, how to play against them. I think that their defense is going to be equipped. They're getting a lot of their defensive players back this week. So I think it's going to be a matter of um, Jimmy Garoppolo having to beat a Bill Belichick that knows exactly what to do to ruin his day. So, um, yeah, again, like not stat-based or anything like that, but just picking a situational matchup that I think um, will be exposed. If you're starting Jimmy G in fantasy this week, I say don't. He's going to be the struggle of the week. But what about yourself? Did you go full quarterback lineup here or... Did you I did, yeah. That? Looks like looks like we're only talking QBs for our for our players <laughs> this week. But um, and then for all the hope that I I might have given Las Vegas fans with what I said about Derek Carr earlier, I think he's my pick going into this week. I think that Tampa defense is good. I think Derek Carr has been playing above his skill level a little bit this season, and um, I think eventually players come back down to earth. And unfortunately, I, I think it's going to be against this Bucks team. And I honestly hope I'm wrong. I, I do like Derek Carr. I've, I've always liked what he, you know, what he had to offer, but he just struggled the last few seasons. So I'm kind of hoping I'm wrong, but I think we're going to see a bad week out of Derek Carr. And I do think Tampa is going to steamroll that team. Yeah. If I was to bet, I'd probably say that that's a, a safer bet than mine, to be honest. So um, having said that, who knows, you know, he might play strong against that Tampa defense, but looking at it from, Right now, what uh, what we see out of that Tampa defense, it's hard to disagree. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, a bit of a shorter episode this week. We just had some other time commitments that we had to be working on, but um, we're obviously looking forward to this week of football. I, I honestly think I've said this a few weeks in a row now that things are starting to stay, take shape, but I'm realizing that uh, that's just not true this year. I, I've been so confused by the way that teams have moved up and down the standings. It's just a, an absolutely crazy season. And um, every week just matters more than the previous. So going into week seven, there's a lot of teams that are, are in must-win situations, a lot of teams that um, have the potential to move up or down in a division, and it, and it could be a, a permanent place. So um, we're excited to see it. We're excited to come and talk about it again. We'll see you all again next week.